we would see that there would be a, so much less, I think, competition and even infighting if we were really okay with the fact that I'm great at banana pudding and she's great at apple pie and that's okay. Welcome to Christ and Culture, the podcast of the L. Russ Bush Center for Faith and Culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Here we'll explore how the Christian faith intersects all avenues of today's culture through conversations with leading thinkers. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to another episode of Christ and Culture. I'm Nathaniel Williams, the editor and content manager here at the Center for Faith and Culture. Today, we're delighted to have with us Missy Branch. She's going to talk about work, calling, vocation, much, much more. After that, we'll have another edition of our segment called On My Bookshelf. But first, it's time for our segment called Headlines, in which we look at some aspect of the headlines, like news, sports, pop culture, or business, from a Christian perspective. And in today's edition of Headlines, we'll talk about the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. But before we do that, one quick announcement. We want to invite you to our upcoming conference called Exploring Personhood, Human Formation. It's on February 2nd and 3rd here at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. At this conference, we're going to glean insights on the question, the topic of spiritual formation, human formation from Christian theology, the sciences, humanities, and pastoral ministry. We have a fantastic eclectic lineup of guests from people like Drew Johnson, Andy Davis, Jennifer Hurt, Kelly Coppock, Todd Hall, Kristen Kellen, Christian Miller, and you're not going to want to miss this conference. Head over to our website, cfc.sebts.edu, to register to join, or you can click the link in our show notes. Tickets for students start at only $10, so we hope to see you there. Now, let's jump into our headlines conversation on Roe v. Wade. This month marks the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and here to discuss this is Luke Rosenberger. Luke is the Associate Executive Director of the Pregnancy Network. He served in pastoral ministry for a number of years in Michigan and Ohio, but he now spends a good portion of his time connecting church leaders to the ministry of coming alongside women who are facing unplanned pregnancies. Luke and his wife, Laura, live in the Greensboro, Winston-Salem area of North Carolina, where they are raising five daughters. Luke, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, let's start right at the beginning. What is the Pregnancy Network and what do you do? So we're a pregnancy resource center uh, located here in North Carolina. And, you know, as you mentioned in my bio, in the Winston-Salem, North, uh, North Carolina, Greensboro area, we have uh, an office there in, in Greensboro and in Winston-Salem. We also have a, a mobile unit, which is uh, capable of, of doing everything that we do with one of our brick and mortar buildings. We're able to do that throughout our community. Uh, the mission of our organization is to empower women to face their unplanned pregnancy without fear. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to come alongside of women in our community who are in that unplanned pregnancy, who are scared and need some extra resources. And so. We have nurses on staff who are able to provide pregnancy tests, same-day ultrasounds, uh, SCD testing and treatment. We also offer a number of classes, uh, pregnancy 101 class, a parenting 101 class, an abortion recovery class, and then also a mentorship program. So what we're trying to do is we're just simply trying to come alongside of that woman who's not prepared, who's who's having that, you know, who has that pregnancy 
just needs some extra help. And what we're trying to do is we're give, trying to give her every resource that she she needs so that she can make a healthy choice for herself and for her unborn child. Let's say that there is someone in the uh, Greensboro, Winston-Salem area who fits that description. Yeah. How would they get in touch with you? So you can find us online, going to the pregnancynetwork.org and, and contacting us through there. Our number's online as well. You can find out all of the resources, all of the information, set up an appointment and come on in. As I said in the intro, this is the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And of course, the big news last year in 2022 was that Roe v. Wade was overturned. So what fallout from that decision did you find the most surprising? Yeah, I'm not sure, sure if I found a whole lot of it surprising. I found a lot of things saddening, you know, as far as our culture uh, and the way that they look upon this issue of abortion. Uh, there's a lot of backlash, a lot of protests. I'm sure that you are aware of things that happened around the country with different pregnancy resource centers that were vandalized. I think there's a misconception about some of the activity that you know, here, here the Christian community is seeking to do, where it's not a, a shame-filled community. It's a community that wants to show the love of Christ and you know genuinely come alongside of people and help them out. You know, even as we've seen on just some of our reviews that, that women who have come through our doors, hey, they came in looking for practical help and what they're you know finding and what they're even saying is I look for, I was looking for help, but what I found is a group of friends. Uh, I found people who love me. I found people who aren't going to judge me, but are truly going to care about me and in, in my difficult position. So what you're saying seems to be a network that is involved more than just up to the time of delivery, that, that there's support that continues? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as I mentioned, you know, some of the classes that we're doing, you know, we have a pregnancy 101 class, we have a parenting 101 class. Uh, but then also what we're trying to do as well is we're trying to connect the women who come through our doors to churches within the community. Like for instance, with us, like we recognize the pregnancy network, we're not God's plan A for changing the world, the churches. And so what we're trying to do is to faithfully shepherd these women who are coming to our doors into a community, into a relationship with a, with a woman in the community who loves Jesus, but then also loves her and can simply do life with her. So yeah, it's more than just, hey, we, we care about your decision. No, we care about you. We don't want just short-term health. We want long-term health as well. So what you're talking about is something that's very much centered in the local church, which going back to the Roe v. Wade decision, the decision didn't outlaw abortion. Uh, that's one of the things I think some people thought would happen. If Roe v. Wade was overturned, then then that would be the end to abortion. What what actually has, has occurred uh, is that the matter has been returned to the states and local governments. So what all does that mean? What does that, in, what, what does that mean for, uh, let's say, like for North Carolina? Right. Yeah, so you think about that as far as what took place on Roe v. Wade. Like it, it was a step in the right direction, but that's all it is. It's, it's a step. And so we celebrate, I mean, it was in June, you know, June 24th, when that, when that uh, decision came down, as a huge celebration but that doesn't mean that the work has ended. It, it means that there's a lot of work still to do. Nationally, what we saw was, you know, over the past, you know, past several months, particularly in the summer, was abortion rates did go down in a number of states or really uh, generally across the United States. But some of the states where the laws haven't changed, um, abortion has actually risen. 
So what we found here in North Carolina is that there's a lot of states that are around us that have become more restrictive. Virginia to the north of us, they're they're not very restrictive. I mean, their abortion laws are a little bit, even a little bit more liberal than ours. But we see around us from you know Kentucky, West Virginia, South Carolina, they've become more restrictive. And so what we've seen is actually here in North Carolina is a 37% increase in abortion as people are coming from out of state into our area. And so that leaves us having to be more prepared to have a greater influence here on the women, not only in our immediate area, but those who are coming from outside of the area. So you're providing a a wonderful resource for the Winston-Salem and Greensboro area. A lot of our listeners are in other parts of the country. So in what ways can they locally minister and how can they engage? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is just simply being prepared as an individual. I think that you, when you have to have your head in the right place, your heart in the right place, I think, you know, as we think about, you know, I, I want to be a person who is theologically, you know, theologically sound. Like I want to be founded on the truth of God's word. I want to be a person that, that recognizes, you know, this is, this is, this is God's creation. So we want to understand like this is, you know, the sanctity of human life is not just a day. It is something that I, I want to have a right understanding, but then also have a right heart so that I compassionately come alongside of people in our community. And so as you think about practically of how to go about doing that, I would encourage whoever's listening to simply search your area. You know, I mean, you could do a simple Google search and just search your area plus pregnancy resource center and then reach out to them, seeing how you can come alongside of them, see how you can actively engage. Uh, You can do that really in three ways of really engaging, of praying, serving, giving, uh, as every pregnancy resource centers needs all of that. Like we believe in the power of prayer. We want people to actively be involved serving, whether that's, you know, face-to-face, like within our, within our organization, we provide opportunities to serve face-to-face with clients. I mean, particularly that would be a, a woman who would be serving face-to-face with women who are coming in, but then there's also a lot of things that can be done behind the scenes. And so Reach out to your pregnancy center, the one that's in your area, and see what are some projects that can be done. But then give. Uh, obviously, you know that most of pregnancy resource centers, they're a nonprofit organization, and they only move forward uh, through the generosity of others. And so I would say those really areas. Find your pregnancy resource center and see how you can pray, serve, and give within that particular location. That's that's excellent. You mentioned about how states that are more restrictive see the uh, rates of abortion decline. States that are more lenient actually are seeing a rise. How has the over-the-counter products changed the dynamic? What has been your experience and your observations about how this is changing the things that one can buy now in drugstores? And I guess I guess they're over-the-counter now. How how is that changing the dynamic? As I mentioned earlier about our mission, the mission of our organization is to empower women to face their unplanned pregnancy without fear. And when a woman is is not prepared for that pregnancy, it puts a lot of stress and it puts a lot of pressure on her to make a quick decision. I mean, I've got a number of kids. I know that what it's like to to you know be prepared and still for it to be overwhelming. But you think about that woman who's in a tough spot. Oftentimes, what happens is that she makes a a, a decision quicker than she probably ought to. She doesn't think through all of her options. It, it, it seems like there's a, you know, there's an obstacle in my way and I've got to get rid of that obstacle as quickly as I can. 
And so it changes the dynamics of trying to reach her, her sooner with here's, here's the truth of what's happening. And there is help in your community. And that's what we're trying to do. We we want to make sure that the word is out there, that there is help, that there is hope, that there is someone who truly cares about you as an individual and, uh, and wants to come alongside of you. Excellent. This season, we're focusing on spiritual formation on our podcast. So how does this conversation about the pro-life movement, what does it have to do with spiritual formation? For those who are in the unplanned pregnancy, you know, our approach to, to that woman who is coming through our doors is like, we want a holistic approach, but it's not just about here's your decision. We want to make sure that you decide to choose life. It's like, we want to come alongside of her and we want to, to care for her. We want to present the gospel to her. We want to make sure that she's not just getting practical help. We want to point her to the ultimate hope that is found in Christ. Uh, And so within our organization, that is something that we are consistently seeking to do in every single appointment. We're not heavy handed in that approach. But last year, 80 percent of the women who came through our doors, they they said, yeah, you can tell me the gospel. Yeah, you can share the gospel. You know, you can tell me about Jesus. And so with them, it is, you know, it's. It's, it's we want to want to point them to Christ, get them in long-term mentoring relationships. But then also those who are in Christ, those who are seeking to partner with a pregnancy center, I, like I would encourage that your pro-life stance is founded upon, well, it's, well it's, that it's gospel-driven. That's not politically driven. It's, it's I, I recognize God's gift of life. And I recognize that this issue, this issue of abortion, it's, 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 a, it's a direct attack on the character and the nature of God. You know, the enemy would love nothing more than to, than to destroy, than to, you know, for every pastor, every leader, every teacher within the church to avoid talking about this. Like we want to talk about it in a compassionate way, but we say, hey, this is a, this is a, this is not just a political issue. This is a moral issue. This is a gospel issue. And I want to holistically approach this and say, do you know what? I care about this because God cares about it. Luke, I know that there are several who probably are going to want to follow up with you. So how can they follow your work? Yeah, you can find us on, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, where we've got some great stories. Uh, if you were to go to our website and check out our blog, uh, there's an individual from our organization that writes consistently on their updates. Uh, some of her work has recently been put on Lifeway Research, some of her articles. She's got some really great articles on our blog. I'd encourage you to check that out, and that's on our website. We've been talking with Luke Rosenberger. He is the Associate Executive Director of the Pregnancy Network. Luke, thank you for being on our program. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Why is work so important and how does work look different for men and women? Here to discuss this very important conversation, one of my favorite conversations, is also one of my favorite people at Southeastern Seminary in the College of Southeastern, Missy Branch. Missy uh, joins us uh, along with Megan Dickerson, who uh, joins us occasionally as a co-host, works with us here at the CFC and is our grant administrator. 
Yeah, so we are delighted to have Missy Branch with us. Um, we all love her. She serves Southeastern as the Assistant Dean of Students to Women and the Director of Graduate Life, among other things that she serves our campus in so many ways. She speaks, she writes, and she serves as the chairperson of the Board of Trustees at Lifeway. She's a wife and a mom of four, um, and she's a woman who loves and depends on the Lord. Um, she's a good friend to me, and we are so thankful that she's joining us today. And Megan, don't uh, don't fail to mention that she makes one of the best banana puddings on the planet. So we've already had a fun conversation about this, but Missy, we're going to have you on again before long, just talking about banana pudding and the creational goodness that our good God has given to us in such a dessert. But we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> I like it. Missy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So here at the Christ and Culture podcast, we love to talk about how our faith in Christ impacts the work that we do. We've we've written a lot on this. We talk a lot about it. I think it's one of the most important conversations that Christians hardly have. Um, you co-host a podcast called Women and Work, where you talk about Christian women. Um, you talk with them about their faith and their work and the integration of those things. Tell me why this is so important to you. One is because it's important to God. God has created all of us to work. We all have a sphere of influence, an area that we're responsible. And so because of that, we need, it's a huge waste if in the body, there is a large number of people who are not positioning themselves to do the work that God has called them to do. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us uh, a little more even about your story of work. Missy, how did you get to what you're doing now at Southeastern? You've been here for several years now, but just kind of tell us the story of how you got there. It, I wish I had this glamorous one, right? I always say I feel like Joseph or like Esther, where I did zero to deserve this job. So literally, if I got kicked out, all I could say is, thank you. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually worked at a flower shop prior to working here. And I was in, a, um, I have my own business. I'm a cake decorator and a baker. So I would make custom cakes. And I remember praying, saying to the Lord, I had spent a lot of time at home with the kids and I worked as a homeschool mom and I worked, we had planted a church. So I worked in ministry because not all work is paid. Mm -hmm. So I spent yeah. a lot of years doing work, that, we, but that's okay. I got paid in crowns in heaven, right? But uh, that flower shop job allowed me to have freedom to, to interact with people on campus. And I came on campus and asked once about opportunity to help. And I got a temp job that was supposed to be for six weeks. And that turned into all of this. <laughs> and the Lord is good. The Lord is good because even the temp job was an administrative position and I'm not administrative in the slightest. So that's how <laughs> no, the Lord had his hand in this. <laughs> Love it. Missy, as I've heard you tell different parts of that story, one of the themes that you've, that you talk about repeatedly is, is just waiting. And you've been faithful wherever you are, and you've trusted the Lord that he would open up the, the right doors at the right time. How did your faith impact your waiting on the right work to come? Megan, that's so good. You know, one my husband's a preacher, and one time I heard him preach a sermon on Jesus in the obscure years in his life. And I remember thinking, saying to him after the sermon, you don't even know how many moms in the audience you just blessed because a lot of times we as women will have these years where we feel like nothing is going on, but those are the years where the Lord is building us and creating things in us and giving us ideas and spiritual muscles and opportunities and to be prepared for the work. And so all of the years that were spent waiting, 
I was waiting. But when my kids were younger, I used to tell them the difference between waiting and being patient was a good attitude. And so the goal, right, you can't help but to wait. But the goal was to spend those years not just standing around, but to be active in the waiting. So I may not be sure of what I'm going to do after the kids are gone, but I'm going to do all the things I should be doing while I'm here in this season. I'm going to disciple women. I'm going to look for someone to pour into me. I'm going to, I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I'm going to sell something somewhere. (laughs) I'm going to read books. I'm going to study the Bible for myself. I'm going to figure out who I am in Christ. And like, you know, all of those things that seem like, just the mundane parts of life are all the things that God is using to create us, to for us to walk into that thing when you all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and you're like, this was it. Mm. This was it. Mm. Missy, how do you advise people on that? So I know you, as you mentioned, you, you're going to pour into people and you're going to make sure people are pouring into you as you're advising and counseling other women and even men about just job decisions, vocational clarity and direction. What What kind of advice do you give to that? One of the things I think happens a lot is when we're looking for jobs, we're mixing up whether this job is supposed to be my life's work. And so often I will encourage people, the young, particularly the students that come and sit in my office, to really sit with themselves in prayer and in, in journaling and in silence with the Lord about what their work is supposed to be, right? What they feel like God has gifted them to do for a life's work. But that doesn't preclude them from taking the job that they need to take, right? You can mm-hmm. work at Starbucks and still have a life's work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially when you really don't know if in these years, if God is using that job in Starbucks to prepare you for the work that he has. And so I challenge them always to be okay with jobs, even if you feel like that job doesn't equal life's work because God Mm. honors work. And so whether it's Trader Joe's or the CEO of a company, if, (laughs) if the Lord has placed it, placed you there to do it, then go do it wholeheartedly as unto him. And I'll be honest, there are seasons in my life when I was doing things. The most exciting thing I did in a month was plan my kids' birthday parties and use resources I had around my house to do it. But now in this job that I have, I can look back and see how many times that I created something out of nothing. And then we're able to do the same thing again. And I'm like, man, Lord, none of that was a waste. All Mm. of that was useful. And so, yeah, I feel like if we're willing to just do what we're supposed to do in this season and be faithful with it, then in the next season, especially when you're trying to make decisions and you're not sure, you'll begin to see through the faithfulness of God. Hey, Missy, would you tell us a little bit more about how to do those jobs well as you're waiting on the, your life's work? Like, yes. how do you determine what your life's work is? How do you determine, you already mentioned something about something that work is sometimes paid and sometimes not. So what if your life's work is unpaid? Can you untangle some of that for me? Yes, I think some of it we make more difficult and some of it is... It is actually hard. So part of it, I remember when my son, who was four, I remember saying to him, Jeremiah, you don't know yet. None of us know what God has called you to be, right? You're four years old. But one thing we do know for sure is that you're the oldest. You are a big brother. So part of your life's work is to be an excellent big brother. You can Mm -hmm. never be free from the call to be excellent as their big brother. So go do it. And So there are parts of our lives that God has already ordained that we're like, oh, 
I'm somebody's sister. I'm somebody's mom. I am her daughter. I am, I've been placed in this community. I work here. These are part of our life work. So go do it and be great. But we don't invest in those things. So you're like, I'm just her daughter, but I'm waiting to go be this. God doesn't waste anything. So all of those parts are part of the life's work that he has gifted us with. And then other parts, I think really, that's why we need community to be conf- to be confirmed and affirmed by the people around us. The people who say, man, I know you think you can just sing, but like there's something unique about the way you sing and what you sing. And I know you think that you are just a mom, but I'm looking at the way you write and I'm like, man, you might be an author. And you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so I think spending time in communities, especially a community that is there really to affirm you and who you are in Christ, that's when you really begin to see how some of the less clear, some of the more vague things that God has called you to for life work can come and work in concert with the things that are clear. Hmm. Missy, I love that. I'm particularly curious to hear now, the last two questions have just sharpened more and I want to sharpen it just a little bit more. And you, you have a particular ministry to women. So Mm -hmm. your podcast is women and work. So I'm just curious uh, what do you say? What do you say to so many? Well, you tell me. What what uh, seasons of life and situations do you tend to find p- women that you minister to in? Or do you talk often to moms who are in the baby and diaper changing phase, and they just feel like they have no purpose other than other than taking care of them? And they're, and they're sort of disoriented and disillusioned with calling and vocation and purpose. Or do you? Maybe there's also that sort of second season of life. Kids are out of the house. What do I do now? So all of these different stages, even the the college age um, women that you that you spend a lot of time with, and you're just trying to help them figure out how to pay bills and yes. realize <laughs> that there are bills to be paid, and, and all you know, all these kinds of teach them how to you know make banana pudding and ramen noodles yes. and all the rest. So I'm just curious, what are some of the consistent kind of consult and advice that you're giving to women in this area? Um, there's a through line through all of it, and that's God's faithfulness. And I think that if we're looking for the thread of God's faithfulness, the thread of what has God been doing continuously and constantly through your life, and what is the thing that you have noticed or have even not even bothered to pay attention to, those are the things you want to um, focus on. You know, I think we don't do women a huge service in the fact that we focus so much on a small slice of womanhood, which may be the um, young children and newly married season, so that we don't really get to have the conversations about all of the other parts of womanhood. So the part where I'm a single woman, I call the stage my older kids are in now, I call it a, a toddler adulthood, because it's almost like you're adults, but you still need kind of the handholding in certain spaces. And I think that that's okay. But we don't have conversations about what it's like to be okay to still need people to help you pay mm, your hook. Yeah. And then there's the stage where I'm my kids are grown and I don't even know who I am because I spent my whole life just being their mom, which mm. don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with just being their mom. But I think that we are more than just their mom, but we haven't invested enough in ourselves and had our community invest in, enough in us. Mm. So when I'm sitting with these women, I'm reminding them that God has called every one of them to something in particular. And even if they haven't spent the time developing that, it's not too late to invest in their relationship with their Lord and their time in their word to find out what God has called them to do. You've talked a lot about community and how we can call one another out into these things when we see people. And for me, I usually hear that question as, oh, I wish that someone would do that for me. Or Mm -hmm. 
thinking of people that have done that for me. But how can we be that for somebody else? How do you, because you're really good at seeing people um, Mm -hmm. and calling out specific things in people. How can we develop that in ourselves so that we can be an encouragement to others and invite others to be an encouragement to their community? We need to build trust in our community. Like you need to be a trustworthy person in a community. People need to be able to trust that you are who you say you are. And the things you say are not just words to be said, like you're not just an over flatterer or that, you know what I'm saying? And then you begin to trust. You need to begin to develop the type of relationship where you can be told things and then you can tell people things. And I, you know, I, you know, my personality, Megan, I'm in, in a heartbeat. I'll tell you, I, I, I see you. I love that dress. I think you look great today, but then tomorrow I may tell you, girl, that's probably not your color. Let's do this right. Let's get it. <laughs> Missy, you've never told me that. I can't understand. No, I, have not. Me. <laughs> I haven't seen you not in the right color yet. <laughs> right. Um, but I think being able to be honest with each other and to really, I love drawing out of people the thing that they may not even see in themselves. And I love pointing out the the uniqueness that God has placed in individuals and how I am not capable of doing it all. So I'm, we're not complete if you're not here. We need the, your skills and your skills and your voice and your thoughts to be complete. And I, it, I just find so much joy in being that person. And I think as a community, we would see that there would be a, so much less I think competition and even infighting, if we were really okay with the fact that I'm great at banana pudding and she's great at apple pie and that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Ce- celebrating even that kind of diversity of gift and skill and collaborating on those yes. things. That's that's true. Um, Missy, one of the things that we're doing this year at the Center for Faith and Culture is focusing on formation, Christian formation, spiritual mm-hmm. formation, all that goes with that. So at the end of each podcast, we're asking that question. How does this discussion inform our Christian formation? Listen, every last one of us, God has a plan for. And if you are not in prayer and in your word, you are missing the plan. Mm. Being in community, being in God's word, being in prayer is really the way we are formed into the thing that God wants us to be. And I will tell you, as someone on this side of life, it blows my mind what God's plan is and just how better God's plan is than mine ever could have been. Mm, Amen. Megan, I don't know about you, but when Missy Branch says, listen, I lean in, I lean forward a little (laughs) bit. I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Um, Missy, thank you for joining us. And we would be remiss if we didn't also mention that uh, Missy's husband is our dear friend and colleague here, Deuce Branch. Some of you know him better as the ambassador, the hip hop Christian artist. Um, You can follow him on all kinds of places, Spotify and beyond. And Missy, where can people follow your work? Tell us again about your podcast. Yes, the podcast is Women and Work, Stepping Into Your God-Given Kingdom Calling. And I'm on all the platforms um, that you listen to podcasts. Courtney Moore is my co-host and we, we love it. We love it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're talking banana pudding next time coming up yes, soon. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs>
And now it's time for On My Bookshelf, the part of the show where professors at Southeastern share what they're reading right now. Today we have with us our own Dr. Ken Keithley. Dr. Keithley, what's on your bookshelf right now? One of my favorite authors is Kevin Van Hooser, who teaches theology at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School up in the Chicago area. And he has written a book called Biblical Authority After Babel, Retrieving the Solas in the Spirit of Mere Protestant Christianity. And it may be a little bit intimidating to hear or to read a book about the five solas, sola fide, sola scriptura, uh, sola gratia. Um, But he is an excellent writer, and he has a particular gift for taking difficult concepts that may be challenging to a layperson to grasp, and he writes it in a way that is both clear and fun. I mean, he's actually has he has wit. Uh, he writes in a way that is winsome. And so if you're wanting to do a little bit of a deeper dive about what the Christian faith is all about, uh, this is an excellent book uh, to read. It's called Biblical Authority After Babel, Retrieving the Solas in the Spirit of Mere Protestant Christianity. And you can get it on your Kindle if you want to. Uh, it's an excellent read. No, let me see. And, and it's available at Amazon, even on Kindle. Thank you, Dr. Keithley, for sharing that. And thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, do us a tremendous favor. Go into Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast delivery method of your choosing. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a brief review. You have no idea how helpful that is in helping us spread the word about the Christ and Culture podcast. And then... Share it with a friend. Let other people know about the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.